Welcome to the Drop the Mic podcast, where we'll dive into conversations with some of the music industry's most established professionals. Like all of our episodes, what you will hear today has been created and curated by Stanford students who are breaking their way into the music scene. I'm Jay LaBeouf, and I lead Stanford University's Music Industry Initiatives. Whether you're aspiring to launch your career in the music industry, are already a music industry pro, or just curious to learn more, we've got you covered. Keep listening to hear from some of the biggest artist managers in the music business. We chatted with Wendy, manager of Dua Lipa, Haley Steinfeld, and Lana Del Rey, Alette Nitty, managers of Conan Gray, and Steve, manager of Loud. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into the conversation. Hey there, it's Tony, and you're listening to the Stanford Music Industry Podcast. In the last episode, we heard from Emily Redman and Trace Guzman about the artist-manager journey during the beginning stages of working with artists to the later stages as the artists continue to grow and become established. In this episode, Monica will be your host. Take it away. Thank you, Tony. Hey guys, it's Monica Chen. In the final section of our podcast, we will be learning from the top artist managers who are the business drivers and strategists behind the artists we all adore. What does it look like to manage our superstar hit makers? Our discussion will demystify many questions people have about the music industry. How do you get a record deal? How do you get on the most popular Spotify and Apple Music playlists? And they'll give us their perspectives on what makes a great manager. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to find out what they have to say. This podcast will be a close-up conversation about music, record labels, streaming, artist branding, music industry relationship building, and valuable advice. We'll be hearing from Wendy Ong, co-manager of Haley Steinfeld and overseer of Lana Del Rey, Dua Lipa, and more. Eddie Wintel and Colette Patnode, managers of Conan Gray. And Steve Bursky, manager of Lauv. Let's dive in and meet our guests and find out how they got started in the business. First off, we have Eddie Wintel and Colette Patnode with us. They are the co-founders of Expand Entertainment and managers of Conan Gray. Conan's success story began on YouTube, where he posted various videos, covers, and original songs, which are all viewed by his fan base as works of art. I'm one of the aforementioned fans. Since releasing his first hit song, Idle Town, on streaming platforms, Conan has sold out shows, toured around the world, and struck the charts again with Maniac and Heather. He released a debut album, Kid Crow, which debuted at number 5 on the Billboard 200 and has been crowned as one of the biggest new artists of 2020. We're both Conan's managers. We're Conan's management team. We are involved with every aspect of his business and have been since he was in high school. I started managing YouTubers. I was one of the first digital managers in Hollywood. Then Eddie and I started our company, Expand Entertainment, our management company, uh, about four years ago now, and came together and, and had the goals of finding people with engaged audiences online and then helping them grow up their careers. And Conan was the first person that Eddie and I signed together. And he kind of was the person who really helped bring our vision of the company to life. We both come from traditional Hollywood, starting at agencies. So it's been fun kind of working with people who are entrepreneurial in their own right. We will also be speaking to Steve Bursky, founder of Foundations Music and manager of streaming sensation, Lauv. 
Lauv is known for his innovative pop sound, creative release strategies, and his honest constant conversation with his fans, which yes, I am one too. He broke out onto the scene with the hit song, I Like Me Better, and has since then become a hit-making legend with the following songs, I'm So Tired with Troy Sivan and I'm Lonely with Anne-Marie. His other star-studded singles include Who with BTS and Canada featuring Alessia Cara. My name is Steve Bursky. I run a artist management company based in New York and Nashville called Foundations Artist Management that I founded back in 2000 for my college dorm room. And really, I, I kind of stumbled into it. I, I having no idea there was a business of music. My senior year, I, I fell in love with a band uh, who, who would become my first client. I was kind of working from my, from my dorm room in between classes and after hours and signed another few clients throughout college. And when I graduated in 04, decided to go set up my own shop in New York and kind of haven't looked back since then. Last but not least, we have Wendy Ong of Tap Management, a company of sensations, including Lana Del Rey, Dua Lipa, and Haley Steinfeld. These artists are already down in music history for stealing my heart, for bending genres, and creating endless chart toppers. These superstars are behind the smash hits, Summertime Sadness, New Rules, Don't Start Now, and Starving, with Zed and Grey. Wendy has worked with countless other legends in the industry as well. I'm Wendy Ong, and I am originally from Singapore. I've only ever worked in the music business my entire life. Unlike a lot of people in the music business, I didn't really stay at one place. And, and I guess that contributed to my experience. You know, I'm pretty all-rounded in that sense. I was lucky enough to take on a role at the old version of BMG. And then at Arista, you know, which was run by Clive Davis at that time, I got to work at the Met Opera in New York. And then EMI, Rock Nation, and Capitol Records, and I got to work with Sam Smith, Outcast, The Strokes, and Pink, and Alicia Keys, and uh, a host of different genres of artists. Even the Foo Fighters, Jay-Z and Rihanna, Jaden Smith, and then Dua Lipa. And then I got promoted a couple of months ago to president of TAP US. So I run the label and management arm of TAP. I also co-manage Haley Steinfeld. I also oversee the whole roster, not just Lana, but Dua, Ellie Golding, Dermot Kennedy, Haley Steinfeld, and like newer artists too, you know, like Annika Rose, Moby Rich. And we're about to be launching a few others that are pretty exciting. So I guess, yeah, that's my career so far in a nutshell, a pretty big nutshell. Thank you all so much for being here. You all have incredible experiences. So to start us off, do you have any big takeaways from your past? Yeah, I think our industry is built for young people with great ideas to kind of find multiple entry points. The best way to get involved is by by kind of jumping in. There's, there's a fearlessness, I think, that young people have when I, ideally they have when they're kind of young and doing enter trips and getting into business. You know, I think that's the first takeaway was, you know, when you're innocent and naive, like you really do think that anything is possible. And I think that persistence, you know, the story of like persistence and just 
doing your best and and i think like if i was older maybe it would have i would have like thought about it i thought like this is so stupid who's gonna hire you like you don't know anything about the u.s music industry you know i i didn't grow up with hip-hop but then with getting the job my job was to do international marketing for bad boy which was you know then puff daddy now p diddy's label so i think like within like two weeks I'd never been to Europe. I found myself in Paris with Puff and his whole entourage. And, you know, it was like the state of bewilderment. Like, I, I don't know anything about France or this market, but it was the fake it till you make it kind of moment where I knew, like, I just had to really listen and pick up really quick, you know? Frankly, like most of the success stories you hear about young people achieving great things in our business are jumping in without tons of experience. I think the playing field is really mostly even. You certainly have access to TikTok and you have access to the streaming services and YouTube. You know, you're as likely to find the next superstar as I am. And I think that's what makes what we do so great, certainly on, on the creative side, is that the barrier to entry, you know, in the digital age and specifically the streaming age has really lowered. You see young people having remarkable success stories early on. You see young artists, you know, developing in a way that never before could they have given the ability to make great sound recordings from their dorm room or wherever they are. That sounds like what Conan Gray did. Colette and Eddie, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Conan built up his YouTube channel all by himself and did that all by himself and was able to garner an audience and make a connection with his fans. And then we kind of stepped in as management to help build that into something even bigger. And I think that's a big role of the manager is taking what someone already has and just helping them really, you know, bring their visions to life. Yeah, I mean, we are involved with every aspect of his business and we're, you know, his closest confidants. You're of course doing business and, and building stuff in the professional world, but you're also becoming really close to the person too. Steve or Wendy, anything to add to that? Ultimately, our job is to be partners with our clients in helping them realize their goals in, in business and creatively. It's a hard business, you know, and, you know, we're not dealing with marketing a can of soup. Some of the issues that surround an artist, like positive and negative, they're not perfect. And if you're part of their family, like you're, you're going to have to like kind of help them figure it out, you know? Yeah, the reality is, is talent, especially when you're working for them, you know, they need you. And that means late night phone calls. It's kind of a 24 seven endeavor. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. We essentially see ourselves as the CEO of, of our clients' businesses. So there's no job, you know, too small for an artist manager. There's, there's varying types of management companies. Right, you know, and at TAP, I think the model that Ben and Ed have built is very much about like being being self-reliant, right? Building a small team around the artist and like helping them, whether it's across social media or creating content. We have five A&R people on our team. We have, you know, Hannah who heads up our creative marketing. She it, has an incredible eye and she helps, you know, our artists, whether it's 
Dua or Ellie in like putting together music videos and artwork and putting the right creative people around them, you know, to help them realize their vision for their music. There's certainly managers who singularly handle everything for their clients. We've built a really incredible team between our two offices and really brought in folks to specialize in, in very specific areas of our clients' careers. And I also think that at the labels, you know, just while I was there, I had so many artists that I was working with and I only had time to be reactive and not proactive a lot of the times. Whereas in management, like, you know, the roster is significantly smaller and it's all about building a small team around the artist. So you're not having to do a lot of those things on your own. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about record labels. What does a management relationship look like with labels? I come from the label system. I worked at the labels longer than I've worked in management, right? So like they're big corporate entities and they have to sign a lot of artists and they are good people and they are bad people at labels as they are at management. And I think it's important because we as management companies, we need the labels to help pay for some of the things that our artists want to do. We can't do that because you know, we're so tied in with the artists that like their money is the money that we have to execute some of these things. So yeah, I, I like to think of it as a partnership and where we feel that something is lacking, like we're lucky that we have the resources at our company to plug in the gaps. I mean, truthfully, finding the right label for you is all about who you can see yourself growing with long-term. And the most important thing is, is finding a partner who really believes in you. Republic was incredibly passionate and and was just has been a wonderful partner. I think I think at the end of the day it's really about what's right for that particular artist. Again, similar, you know, to some of the other things we've spoken about. It it's not a one size fits all. I think for some of our clients, I'd say about half our roster is independent. It's more about the the flexibility and the fluidity that that can be had in an independent career. I don't think it's about the model. I think, you know, different models work for different people, but really at the end of the day, it's about the vision and clarity of, of that, you know, artist and their brand that I think with that, you can kind of be successful in either setup. I mean, certainly there's arguably a more robust global infrastructure at the major record companies than there is in the independent models. I found the independent models certainly that we've chosen to, to use to feel highly to have a lot of the same offerings that, that a major would. I think a major would certainly argue that that there's more power and more strength in, in their system than than there is, you know, in the independent model. And the fact is, if you look at the majority of success stories and you look at the radio charts, for example, it's still dominated by the majors. I think that frankly is less a reflection on the inadequacies of the independent model and more a reflection of the lack of talent willing to bet on themselves or bet on themselves with good guidance and a good management team in place to help drive it, you know, because ultimately for, for Lau as an example, I mean, we have a massive global team, you know, we, we have a partnership with a company called AWOL who kind of acts as the global infrastructure and, and really more and more is looking like a label while allowing the artists the freedom and the ownership to to kind of own their businesses. But with those models, I think it definitely puts a lot more onus on management to, in a way, act as the client's, you know, label president in addition to wearing their management hat. 
So I'm a little bit curious about this. What's a good time to start making decisions about major labels or going independent? Annika Rose, you know, she's a very new artist. You know, she's only put out not a lot of songs. And when you're that new, it sometimes becomes a disadvantage to, to get onto a major label right away because you kind of need to figure out who you want to be. And when you're put into the mix and if you don't get enough help and support and attention, then it's hard to figure that out, you know? So at the moment, you know, she's making music, she's putting out music, we're helping her. And yeah, you know what? It would be a lot easier if we just upstreamed her to a major right now. But the artist has to be ready, right? Because it's it changes the dynamic. And I think right now when she is blossoming as an artist, like it's the crucial time to have just a few people around you you know, support you and help you define who you want to be and, and help you realize your vision. Um, once you get put in like a bigger pond, there's a lot of distractions. There are a lot of opinions. So who do you listen to? You know, your voice may get muted somewhat, right? I'd love to hear more about working with artists on music. Like I love to hear from you, Colette, about how you and Eddie have been working with Conan on his music. Yeah, he wrote, like, his first project, we can go back to Sunset Season, which was his EP, and we were developing that all together, kind of listening to the songs that he had, choosing what we thought was, you know, the right creative fit for the EP, what we all liked. Our creative focus was just, how do we make this the best project that we can? And at that point, you know, the industry got wind that, you know, there was someone making new great music in town and so that's when you know his team started growing and he signed to republic records and it it all happened that way i love working with new artists and just kind of like being there from the get-go and like seeing their being on the journey with them like i feel like that is very fulfilling and you know at capital i got to work with sam smith who you know i i absolutely adore and you know got to see him right from the start of pretty much the start of his career through you know him winning all those grammys on the first album it was really wonderful and it's great too to work with already established artists but it's it's a different kind of satisfaction that you get you know yeah so it's like in the beginning it was just really focusing on on the music itself and really hearing what the stories he was telling and what it meant to him and his, that point of his life. Once you give it away, you never know how it's going to be received or if it's going to go huge or not. So it's like, at the end of the day, our, the goal with music, in my mind, is always just to put, you know, the best, the best project out there, right? You know, quality over quantity still. I think you've got to release, have a consistent output of music and and, and, uh, and visuals early on as you establish your brand. But at the end of the day, like you've got to be releasing quality and, and this is a business of songs. So great songs win period. And frankly, like at the end of the day, authenticity as, as you know, as you're developing your brands, your social voice, your songwriting, like it, it needs to be believable and, and you need to be able to sell it with your heart 
Totally. Eddie, you've also mentioned that authenticity is a huge part of Conan's image. Yeah, I mean, Conan had that incredible connection with his fans, and it was hugely important to make sure that that authenticity continued to shine through. And so I think that from like a traditional industry perspective, the natural instinct is to try to make something more professional, more manufactured, more polished. And that was sort of the opposite of our strategy. It, it was all about maintaining that same level of authenticity. For Conan, it's, it's about enabling him to share his vision with the world because he is such a complete artist and he writes all of his songs from his bedroom, start to finish. And it's about finding a producer who is able to, who he was able to get along with and really build out the initial sound and who he's been able to grow with. And, and we did that with Dan Nigro and, you know, and, and then it's, it's really all of those early posters, all of the, and continuing to say all of the visuals that, that you see, that's, that's him from his bedroom still doing that stuff. So he, he really is extraordinary. All the imagery, all the, all the videos, just everything kind of like built from there, from like the initial things that he wrote. You know, who he is as a person, since he already had this connection with fans and, and the development of the music was so closely related and everything he puts out there to people is, is real. Yeah, I totally see that. Steve, is it the same for Lauf too? We're focused on just being true to himself and, and speaking honestly, and that comes in terms of his songwriting and, and also in terms of who he is in, in person and on social media. I don't think that will ever change for him. It certainly does for some people as they start to gain notoriety and success. But I think what has worked for him is his vulnerability and his ability to have a message and really, you know, kind of stick to that message and be able to stick to that message because it's who he is. He's not putting on a show. And I'm guessing it's similar for Dua Lipa as well, right, Wendy? First of all, Dua is her own boss, right? And like, I always feel like she, as an artist, has a, a really great vision of, you know, like before she even made the album, she already knew what the album was going to be. She's the real deal. She's a genuine artist with a real talent for music with a lot of love for her fans. And I think she does a really great job of being true to herself and, and showcasing herself on social media as well. Yeah, you know, I think just for really for any artist, I think the ones that you read about over a 30, 40, 50 year career are the ones that are, it's like super clear who they are. It, it rings true in, in how you see them in, in public, you know, online, and certainly rings true in their songwriting. Those are definitely the artists that, you know, are able to do this for a long period of time. The interesting thing about pop music right now, and, and just using the loud example since it's come up, is if you go to a loud show, even though four, only four or five songs in the last few years have been on the radio, he's had so many hits within his fan base. So you go to a show, and from the first word to the last word in a 90-minute set, everyone's singing. And that's kind of a beautiful thing because Historically, in pop music, you'd go to a show and people would know four or five songs and they'd sit down for other, you know, like it just was a different experience. You can have a big hit without radio. It's just a different kind of hit, you know? It's all about, it's all about what fans, you know, we can't, you can't 
make something go viral. And once you see that fans are really responding to it, it's exciting for everyone, you know? You can see that, Conan can see that, and he can say, you know, y'all are, are taking this thing, you know, totally viral, this is amazing. You know, and that and that can draw some more attention to it. But honestly, there aren't there aren't that many tricks when you talk about a, you know people really connecting with the song. That has to that has to be genuine. Yeah, I think from the management perspective, something I've always tried to kind of instill is you build something, you create something, you write something, whatever it may be, and then you put it out. And once it's out, like it's really just, it's out in the world and people take things and they interpret them to make them fit into their own life. And at that point, the art, the piece of art becomes the public's. So Colette, with audience connection being so important for the music industry, can you talk about Conan's fan base and how it translated from YouTube to the mainstream music industry? You know, going, from being a YouTuber, an internet personality, to a mainstream musician is a pretty, it's a difficult task. One thing is that you never know exactly how your audience is gonna translate. Our first round of shows, we weren't sure if people were gonna buy tickets and come, because you just never know, right? Until something is practiced and proven, it's always kind of like, well, you think it could work, and you have faith that it will, but, at the same time, you also have to be prepared that it's not always going to translate and you might have to shift your strategy. But that's the that's the big thing is coming off the internet into a physical space. You just never know exactly like how that's going to go. For Idle Town, the, the goal there was was very much to introduce Conan to the world and, and get that onto some initial playlists and, you know, on, on, on different streaming platforms and you know it got the attention of labels and that was that was our way of being able to to really show what Conan was capable of. Idle Town was such a great introduction and it's something that again Conan just created and it was his first song that he put up on streaming partners apart from just his YouTube channel and again people just it's a great song and people found it and they loved it. And that was definitely a great kind of kickoff for his music career. So after a great kickoff, how do you think about helping artists continue the success? You know, especially after a big hit. I'd love to hear from you, Wendy, about the time after Dua's success with New Rules. The challenge is to always be fresh in your creatives, in your messaging, but also not putting yourself out there so much that like your message gets diluted. I think you have to keep some kind of mystery there. And and I think like one of the things that, you know, we really wanted was, you know, she shouldn't just be that kind of artist that can only have one song at radio. And now she's got two songs in the top 10 at top 40 radio. You know, and I think along the way, like we've been able to convince the gatekeepers that like she's not just a new rules girl. She's not a one hit wonder. That is just awesome to hear. Eddie, how do you and Colette think about continuing success for Conan's music release? Like, how do you decide what songs to promote? 
in terms of the promotional singles, you obviously want songs that are going to be promotional. They're just going to, they're, they're going to be just that, you know, we, we had a feeling that, that Maniac was, was that people would respond really well to it. You're always thinking about it and recalibrating and, and figuring out what, what makes most sense in, in conjunction with the label. Yeah. It's about like, which is going to be the biggest because we've had so many big records post. I like me better. I like me better. You know, frankly, Spotify individually was on the forefront of identifying that record as a, as a hit and really leaning in. Yeah, I've always been curious about how artists get on certain playlists. So much of it's, you know, it's, it's all editorial, so it's all, it's not like a singular person is going to just throw it in there as um, kind of like a bro deal. We've got um, a network of folks at the major DSPs around the world, and certainly some that kind of become advocates for certain clients and, and others for others. But no, it's very much a, a dialogue with, certainly at the higher level, client-wise with, with our partners at the streaming platforms. They're obviously crucial to the success of, of our releases, so it's important to us that they're very much in the know. It's like any relationship. They are tracking your progress, you know, and you're in touch with them, and you're in touch with them every time there's new music to release. They're, you're always updating them. Also, the beauty of, of streaming is it drives catalogs. So as you get further in your career and you're releasing music, that's the element of discovery then taking people back to the catalog helps, you know, kind of catapult records that were previously under under consumed. Technology and, and just the, the natural evolution of the business has changed what it looks like in terms of the, the business in general. We definitely try to build record release strategies and song release strategies that play to the strengths of how music's being consumed today. So if, if you're good partners to the partners and, and the music's great, you're going to find your way into those playlists, but it doesn't happen overnight, you know? Wendy, I'm curious as to how this applies to Dua Lipa's career as well. Is there a strategy when it comes to music release or streaming? It's relationship building, and that's not necessarily a marketing element, but, you know, before Don't Start Now came out, like, well, first of all, on the first album, like, she has pr pretty much met, taken photos, shook hands with every single radio programmer or journalist or person at Spotify, Apple, YouTube, whoever, like, she paid her dues. I mean, she, and this was before I was involved, you know, she's one of the hardest working artists. Like, we were taking meetings with radio programmers, you know, to play them music uh, directly. And if she couldn't be there in person, she would make a video so that, like, she could convey her message or she would FaceTime in or something. I mean, that even the, for her own label, the people who have regular contact with her, she showed up in person, talked to the company because they flew everybody from around the world at Warner and she got to play them music and explain to them her vision. And, and I think it's relationship building. You know, like I think that is possibly one of the most important aspects of being in the business. And you know, not every artist needs to do it. But I think the pop consumer needs all this, you know, like they need to hear it on radio. They need to see it on social media. There's gotta be enough going on outside of streaming. Obviously like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, they're on the front lines of 
identifying, you know, what they believe to be the next great songs. And, you know, a part of it is definitely like just taste and them getting on stuff early, but also part of it is us being able to go show them a, a data story from on social media or show them, you know, in Berkeley that we sold out, building that story, that narrative that illustrates progress. You know, there's there's a concerted effort and, and constant conversation happening between everybody all the time. And so I think that with an artist like Conan, who who is, you know, growing so much and doing so well, it's a question of, you know, what's the right time? And in the case of Apple Up Next, it, it really, it was the perfect time. And, you know, it's something that, that we'd wanted for for two years or three years with, with Conan. So it wasn't something that just happened, you know, overnight. It was something that everyone had been working towards for a long time. Yeah. Well, from the management side, it was a great accomplishment because Eddie and I kind of are very goal oriented at the same time. And Up Next was one of them. So it was very satisfying to be able to kind of check that box and be able to to have Conan, you know, fill that fill that spot this year right around the release of the album. So for us, you know, you have to celebrate accomplishments. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to all of these things, it starts and ends with Conan. The reason he's Apple up next, the reason that he gets any accolade or, you know, gets any number of streams, honestly, at the end of the day, it comes down to him and the music and the fans, truly. And so there's no amount of relationship building and conversation having and, you know, pushing that that anybody can do that will change the conversation if if those things aren't there. You know, it's a tribute to to him and and how great he is that that all these great things are happening. One of my proudest moments was you know being a part of Outcast's journey at that time when they put out Speakbox and the Love Below and helping to break a really cool hip-hop act that I personally already loved and I remember when they won album of the year at the Grammys it was monumental you know and I was invited backstage and then when they won like they pulled everybody backstage who were with them in their dressing room on stage and it was just like I just remember thinking like this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me and it's probably never gonna happen again so I'm just gonna soak it all in right now So let's talk advice. What should budding managers learn? And what advice would you give to anyone looking to start out in artist management? I think what is important is a love for music. And you know, you have to be passionate uh, because there's very little money in it. Like when you're starting out and for a long time, you know, you're in it with the artist who also has no money. So you gotta come to grips with that. And, and if you don't have the love and passion, you, you probably should opt out right away. I mean, if you do everything right, yes, there will be a payday someday, right? But in the meantime, like while you're grinding, like you better like be subsisting on something else like love and passion instead. Young people kind of achieving great things in our business or jumping in without tons of experience and just having a ton of passion and energy and uh, incredible work ethic. And, and that's a pretty lethal combo for the right person. You know, at the end of the day, I think especially for young people getting into this, so much of it is about just tenacity and ability to just put your head down and grind. Yeah. 
My advice to new managers is work hard, use your time wisely, and only sign people who you really want to be working with and believe in. You know, ask for help. Don't pretend you know things you don't. I think it's a very forgiving business for those who approach it with a bit of humility. So that that's definitely a, a big piece of it. So those early days, I think it's important to kind of take that, that attitude that, you know, no job is, you're not too good for any early part of, you know, any early job that you might have and, and just, you know, being a sponge more or less. For me, like the early days were about surrounding myself with, with trusted advisors and mentors and learning from people who, you know, I've been through it before. So I, I, I always want to pay it forward. I want to help. And, and I guess it's finding, you know, the ones that you connect with who want to take the extra time, whether it's just to explain something or to make an introduction or something like we all have to start somewhere, you know, I mean, that's how it started for me. It's important to love what you're doing and to help others who want to do it. You don't have to be in music to have that sentiment. Here's the way I look at it, right? Everyone that's ever worked for me, they've never just stayed an assistant because we all have a role to play in helping someone grow in their career. And it's not just artists who need that, you know? It's, it's pretty much like students and or or young people breaking into the business like it, it's across the board because a lot of people helped me when i was coming up yeah i think that being adaptable is very important and just with business generally things can change and being able to kind of like stay level-headed is very important and not letting things shake you all the time because things change, plans move, you know, someone says something and you have to be able to kind of remain kind of steadfast and just know, you know, that your purpose as the manager is to help see through the artist's vision. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Every single day, there's new questions being asked, new requests coming in, and it's the manager's job to sort of take in everything, organize it, prioritize it, and say, okay, what do we need done today? I think Colette highlighted a skill that is of the utmost importance for any representative to learn and hone, which is always staying even. It's a huge, huge part of the job, and it's a huge skill. There are so many things that get thrown into your court that you don't expect. And if you become too emotional or if you become too reactionary, then that throws everything off. And you won't be able to survive if you don't learn how to react with, with an even-keeled approach, always. A huge lesson, I think, for any young manager. You know, I find that because I worked across different genres and different types of people, there is a lot to be said for like listening and adapting in order to be able to communicate well. Like, I think you start off with paying attention and learning the culture or the personalities, you know, and before I start speaking out, 
I guess, if, if that makes sense, because the, there's no point in having an opinion if it's based on ignorance, you know? So that's, I guess, my biggest takeaway. Like, it's like a, being a diplomat. Like, your job is to listen and like have a, a message, but you know, you can't come across as making someone do something. Like it, it's about diplomacy and like negotiating, come, getting everybody on the same page. I have one other trait that I forgot to mention. I think finding a trustworthy manager can be very difficult and in, in a lot of ways that is, you know, one of the most important traits that it, it sort of goes without saying, but it's important to bring up. You need, as an artist, you, you need to be able to trust your manager implicitly, not just with, you know, their opinions. Nobody's right 100% of the time. And you need to be able to trust that that person's intention is to have your best interest in mind at the end of the day. So that person's representing you. Yeah, I mean, we, we always encourage clients who we're speaking to, potential clients who we're speaking to, to meet with a ton of managers. While certainly if we believe we are the best fit, we're going to fight for them. So much of it is, is about that personal relationship. You know, like any friendship or marriage, you know, you just, you don't really know until you get into it. But they, should, they need to look for someone who has a real plan and a vision. Yeah, like you represent the artist and the talent and there's not one way to do it. So you have to just know them so implicitly as the manager because at the end of the day, you're kind of their voice in a lot of situations. The artist, of course, is in touch and high contact with the label as well, but the people that they're really talking to every single day are their managers. So you just want to make sure that you've, feel comfortable with them and that at the end of the day, you feel that they truly believe in, in you and your project and your work and you know what you're trying to achieve so that they can properly represent you outwardly as well. You know, look for clients that you really believe in. It's extremely important to find people that you believe in and, and then once you find those people to not let anything stand in your way to try to get that that client, him or her, as much success as, as you possibly can. It takes a lot of the pressure off in some ways because we really genuinely believe Conan is going to have a really long career. It's more about making sure that, you know, as an artist, he continues to develop and, and continues to put great, great things out into the world. I think that this is a really exciting time in our business. I really do believe that talented young people with vision have more of an opportunity than ever to leave their mark. Certainly more than ever in terms of like discovering talent, having great ideas and, and, and investing those ideas into something you believe in. I think it's more possible than ever. And I just encourage young people looking to get into the business to not wait for someone to reach out their hand with a job and instead innovate, you know, be that investing time if there's a passion for management into a potential client or investing time into an app idea to, that you're going to develop, whatever it may be. It is remarkable how often 
I'm being told about such and such person that I've never heard before, and I've never heard them before of them before because they're 22 and just graduated from college, but happened to be the one that stumbled on this insert artist name here. You know, I, I just think that the the opportunity is greater than ever, and, and don't be discouraged upon graduating if there's not that perfect job for you because. I think the people you end up reading about in 10 years into the career are often the people that just went out and created opportunity for themselves. It's Monica again. I hope you enjoyed that uplifting, inspiring discussion about everything from streaming to record labels to authenticity to what it takes to be an amazing manager. I'd like to thank Eddie, Colette, Steve, and Wendy for their time and generous advice. Additional thank you goes out to Natalie and Emily for conducting interviews with me and to Emily for working on post-production with me. And finally, huge thank you to Tony for being an awesome DJ and creating all the music you heard during this podcast. Thanks, Monica. Thank you to Emily and Trace for an amazing first episode as well. We couldn't have asked for a better team. Big shout out to our amazing Professor Jay. We had so much fun putting these two podcast episodes together. We hope you got to learn something today about artist management. I know we did. Thanks for hanging with us. That concludes today's episode of our podcast, Drop the Mic, Music Industry Conversations. Thank you to all of our guests for spending their time with us and sharing their insights on the artist management world. We'd also like to thank Tony Rodriguez for composing this season's theme music. Tune in next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern for some valuable advice from some of the most accomplished executives in the music business, a.k.a. the successful people making it all happen behind the scenes. Some guests featured next time are the head of Urban Music at Columbia Records, Felicia Fant, and the former CEO of Warner Records, Cameron Strang. We're the students that helped put this season together. To hear all of our episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stay up to date with everything we're working on, including a playlist that features all of our musical guests from season one, and our social media accounts where we post sneak peeks of what's to come, check out our website at dropthemiccast.com. This has been Drop the Mic. Thanks again for tuning in. We can't wait to share more with you next week.